Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com, and we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to linode.com slash changelog. This is Carolyn Van Slyke, and it's go time. It's Go Time, a weekly podcast where we discuss interesting topics around the Go programming language, the community, and everything in between. If you currently write Go or aspire to, this is the show for you. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Time. Today's episode is number 55. Your hosts for today are myself, Eric St. Martin, Brian Kettleson, who joins us from Golang UK. Say hello, Brian. Hello, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Carlicia Pinto. Hi, everybody. And our special guest today is Carolyn Van Slyke. Um, do you want to give maybe everybody just a little bit of a, a rundown for anybody who may not be familiar with you already? Sure. Just kind of who you are, the stuff you're doing, maybe maybe your history in, in Go, the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my history with Go is, is a little short, um, but the way I got started is, is one day I was looking at a Bash script and I said, I want to run this on Windows. And I had never written a line at Go, had nothing about it, but I knew it was cross-platform. So I said, I'm just going to rewrite this and Go over the weekend. And that's how I got started. Uh, so that was for the Docker version manager. Uh, and then, but last year I started, not last year, December, I started working on the Go dependency manager, DEP, the one dependency manager to rule them all, hopefully. And uh, it started off as just a couple little commits. And frankly, I just love the Go community so much that, uh, you know, I have like 17 years experience with C Sharp, but you guys are all so friendly. So I decided to come over and play. And now I do Go full time and I work on DEP. Yay. Yeah. You also spoke at uh, 2016 GopherCon, too. I did. Yes. I was trying to kind of convince people that uh, there are Windows users out there and it's worth, you know, bringing them into the fold. I actually had someone come up to me at GopherCon this year and say that they tried it. They had no interest in supporting Windows. So they just did like the bare minimum things I suggested and they got Windows developers to start fixing things for them. So it just warmed my nice. heart. Uh, that's awesome. So they kind of laid the groundwork so that it it ran, and then uh, the community kind of jumped in and helped fix it so it ran better. Yep, that's exactly how it went down. You know, you don't need to have Windows in order to just give people the foothold they need to contribute themselves. So, yeah. Now, did your background as a, a C sharp developer? Did that mean you were mostly developing for Windows platforms, and you noticed a lot of the things that you wanted to run didn't have Windows support? And what was the motivation uh, behind the talk? Like kind of what prompted you to tell the world? So my background has always been across the three operating systems. Uh, but for the good chunk of the beginning of my career, I was I was paid by the day to work on Go, or sorry, to work on uh, C Sharp in the Microsoft world. And then at night, I would be doing my own stuff with my Linux servers. Um, but what happened was, is I got brought on to the Rackspace developer experience team. And I was the only person willing to admit that she knew Windows and could try something out and support our user base, which was like half Windows people, actually. So I just kind of got tired of helping people out and said, how can I expand this so that anybody who has a project can pick it up and 
make it easier for their users instead of just, hey, Carolyn, can you help us make this work for Windows? Curious how many of those you got wrapped into. Uh, more, more than I wanted to, probably. I, I have nothing against Windows. You know, that, that's my, my, my beginning. I guess my frustration is that there's been this bit of a fence between the two communities and maybe a little bit of looking down from both sides of the fence, which sounds, you know, against the laws of physics, but people still manage to do that on both sides. And I would love it to see more people like Brian, who have kind of embraced that both sides have something really interesting and fun to offer. And it's okay to, to, to do both or support both. That's right. All three, actually. Yes, Linux two. Linux too. Don't be shy. I, I don't use Windows quite as much uh, these days, but I think that's mostly just because most of my, my workflow stuff is on Mac and I develop for Linux, so therefore I develop solely on Linux. Um, I, I periodically tinker with Windows, but I've never written software for it outside of some C-sharp apps for people. But hopefully, hopefully I will change that soon. You'd be surprised. Why hopefully? Well, you kind of need to be aware of the landscape, right? So I can't really have any solid opinions about Windows when like the last version of Windows I used to any degree was like XP, right? So sure. I think just as a, a software craftsman and things like that, like you, sh you should really be familiar with where things are. It'd be like, you know, somebody in the late 90s or early 2000s using Linux being like, this stinks and then never looking at it again, right? Yeah, yeah, I've run into that with a bunch of bunch of people uh, personally. So I run a Mac, and then you know Linux is in Docker containers and and in VMs, and then I run Parallels, and that lets me jump into Windows apps. Like a lot of big companies, maybe not the cool ones who let you use like uh, you know Google apps, but have things like Outlook that you need to use, and it just works so much better in Windows that I run all of those you know through Parallels and just access them that way. So I at least stay a little bit in touch with that. And it's then it's not such a horrible effort to say, let's see how my command line tool works on Windows. And, you know, that's one of the big things. Like you made a command line tool. It does some neat little dev script or something like that. And uh, you may not think about Windows, but they probably want to run it too. So it doesn't have to be like desktop apps. It can be anything as a developer that you need. Your, your Windows brethren probably would like to use too. Yeah, Sorry, I, I don't to... mean to jump on the Windows soapbox. <laughs> I have the biggest problem with virtualization. If if I could just be happy in Parallels or VMware or something like that, I would probably have a much easier life. But I cannot work in a VM. I just can't. There's something, there's a mental block. I just can't do it. So I instead, I have Windows laptops, Mac laptops, Linux laptops. It's ridiculous. Just have a six-port KVM to kind of handle it all? <laughs> I wish. I haven't found a KVM that works you know, in modern computers anymore. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't found it. Like, obviously I know some really good server-based KVMs and stuff, but yeah, for, for at-home desktop use, I haven't really found a good one that I like either. I have a two-port one from IO Gear uh, to juggle between my PC and my Mac laptop, and it works really well as long as you have, you know, those little uh, display port adapters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think... My um, Windows usage is probably all VM too, and mostly because of like a random IE bug. <laughs> and it's it's 2017, people. Why do we have random IE bugs? <laughs> Although I'm thankful because earlier in my career, I had to fight all the IE6 stuff, and that was not fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> my career goes a little bit before IE6, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my career used to be worse. was before that, but IE6 was probably one of the... Because that's when people really started trying to do a lot of JavaScript and CSS-based stuff, and you had browser incompatibilities. And then there were just weird ones. You, know, you guys um, are so cute with your IE6. I remember back when I was a kid, Microsoft sent me Internet Explorer 4 on a CD because I was a Microsoft certified something or other. Internet Explorer 4 on a CD. I still have it somewhere. You should. You should frame that. 1997. I remember uh, Windows 3.1. I wasn't working in, in computing back then, but I remember running you it. born yet. With 3.1? 3, 3. Oh, come on now. What was the release date? All right. Quick, somebody school. in Slack. <laughs> what, was, what was the release date for 3.1? And I was fortunate as a kid to kind of have access to a lot of computers, which was cool. 1992. See, I was born. I'm young. Barely. I'm not that young. <laughs> Barely. Uh, so I have a story to tell that will help us kick off one of the, the main topics for our show today. I was walking home from Golang, UK this afternoon. It's like 6.30 or something like that. And I'm kind of sneaking out because I didn't say goodbye to 600 people all at once. And it was so that I could come to the podcast. And I hear, as I'm turning around the corner to get on the main street to walk back to my hotel, I hear, Brian, Brian, some guy shouting, Brian. So I stop thinking, well, there probably are other Brian's, but I guess it could be me. So I, I stop and I see this guy running towards me. He goes, I just wanted to let you know that I'm a big GoTime FM listener and I love the podcast. And somewhere around episode 42, you were doing a interview with Asim Aslam about micro and he was mentioning these companies. And it reminded me because I was, you know, walking really close to this company that, hey, I used to work there and I know people there and, and hey, now they're doing Go. I think I, I should call them and see if they'll hire me to do Go. So this guy randomly listening to, to our podcast, calls his old boss and says, I hear you're doing Go now, hire me back. And they did. And now he's doing Go because he listened to Go Time. And I found that to be just, you know, I was giddy. I was so excited. That's awesome. We, we brought a person who wanted to be doing Go directly into a paying job, which is the best segue that I could possibly build for Carolyn. <laughs> That's why we've got Carolyn on the show today. Carolyn's doing awesome work over on, on DEP as a maintainer for the DEP project, which is arguably the most important Go project on the planet right now. Of course. It's time for us to get her employed. So Carolyn, when you said you're doing Go full-time, is that what you meant is that you're working on the DEP project full-time or are you doing that in something else? Um, it's mostly DEP. You know, I'd never been a maintainer before in a, an active community. I, I have open sourced many things that I've done, but never had anyone else interested in working on it. And oh my goodness, I had no concept for how much time you could spend if you wanted to on curating issues, finding things for people to work on, helping people out. Because a number of people hit me up on Slack and be like, what's a really good issue to work on? And I love that. I want that. Please you know, hit me up if you want DEP issues. Uh, and just going through things like that. And then obviously like doing a ton of pull request reviews and trying to 
you know, I'm so used to just being an individual contributor and whatever I do, that's what I get done that week. And if I didn't do it, it doesn't get done. And it's been incredibly novel to say, well, I need to be got this one pull request in, but thanks to chatting with other people in Slack, doing pull requests or just making issues for people to work on, I got 20 things done this week. And that's just been a little crazy. Maybe I should spend more time looking for a job and less. Uh, well, that's it. That's how you become 10x. There you go. Yeah. You become 10, and, and it was, I think it was Brian Lyles who said it best. You become 10x by helping 10 people do stuff. Yeah. So we have to go way, way back and, and in, investigate how you got into this position. Uh, if the position, if the opportunity to contribute to that came first and then you decided to, I, I'm assuming, to take time off because. Uh, we, it seems that like you're looking for actively looking for a job as well. Yeah, yeah. It was a convergence of events, really. Uh, so up until this April, I was working at Rackspace, and they heavily encouraged me to contribute to open source. So I, you know, do smaller things, the tools and things like that. But I was really looking to get more involved. And around December, January, there were there were blog posts saying like. Dapp's a real thing. And we really want people who, you know, aren't part of the Go Illuminati to contribute to it. And I was like, well, that's cool. Cause you know, I'm not, I'm not really like anybody in the Go community, but I'd still love to contribute. So I started doing, you know, a couple little things, uh, you know, just during my work day. And I, I justified it as well. You know, we use Glide right now and we'd really like Dapp to be a thing. Um, so, and then, so, unfortunately, sorry, let me, Pause for a minute, minute so we don't get sidetracked. Uh, at least I don't get sidetracked. At that point, what were you doing? Were you doing a Go? You said you were using Glides, but were you also using Go for any of your work? Yep. Yes, I was. Uh, so at the time, Rackspace had a product called Karina. And, uh, you know, it was containers as a service. And you could push a button on the website and it would give you Docker Swarm or Kubernetes. And then you could immediately... Uh, start work, working with it. And I, I loved it. And it was great. And, you know, I worked mostly on the command line tool for that. Uh, so the Docker version manager was a companion to it. And then it had a command line tool to kind of do everything. Um, so I was definitely familiar in working with Go. Um, and then what happened, unfortunately, is that in March, they uh, cut my product and decided to go in a different direction. And at that point, I contributed enough to depth that I just had this little thing in my head, which is if they take me off this project, maybe I won't be contributing to this anymore. I'll be doing more internal things. And that just made me so incredibly sad because I realized like depth is for me personally, you know, I gotten attached and I thought this is really going to go somewhere. It's not often you get a chance to say, I worked on that thing and, and ideally you know, it makes it into the go tool chain. And that would just be really fun. It would make me feel really good about myself. Um, you know, and I'm incredibly lucky. I'm in a position where I had the funds to say, I'm not going to work for a little bit and I'm going to, you know, focus on depth. So I hit up Sam Boyer and just said, you cool with this? Like, I'm not some, you know, weirdo like lurker. You're all right if I just work on this for a while. And uh, he's just amazing and, and encouraged me to go for it. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Sam was disappointed by having somebody spend so much attention on on depth. No, no, he he wasn't. Uh, you know, excessive emoji were were just everywhere at the time trying to get me to to go for it. And so, you know, I I did and uh, just kind of 
switched over to doing that. And um, in the meantime, have been looking for a job pretty passively, to be honest. Um, I should be trying harder. Looking well, you're for... on no time now, so that, there that, you go. that part yeah. is over. Yeah, yeah. Six, 60 million listeners. <laughs> 60 million. <laughs> Yeah. 60 million listeners. Our our Nielsen ratings are off the charts. There we so go. So I, I expect it's going to be a little crazy now. Excellent. I'm all for that. So I have a couple of questions still about the your beginnings. So at that point when you said, okay, I'm going to take, to take time off and work on that full time for a while. At that point, how much Go experience did you have? And my other question is, how did the how did you becoming a an official maintainer for that happen? Was it like you got a notification one day, or that conversation you, that you had with had with Sam Boyer, was that what what did it, or what how did it happen? What was the benchmark that made you go from non maintainer to maintainer? Sure. Uh, so yes, I had been coding in Go. It'd been, you know, a little bit of some backend services to kind of power Karina and then also all the, the command line tools. Uh, and so I, I was pretty familiar with it, but mostly from the CLI perspective, which depths the CLI. So that was kind of a national natural transition for me. Um, and then how did I become a maintainer? You know, so I started with just a tiny little PR and I got you a shout out here. So Brian's the reason why I did the PR in the first place. <laughs> uh, because I didn't know where to start contributing. And he did this wonderful workshop, a uh, webinar about how to do your first contribution, your first pull request to a Go project. And that just kind of gave me the nudge I needed to be like, I don't have to be someone who works at Google. I don't know, someone who's sanctioned to work on Go to submit my PR. So I did and uh, just kept giving more and more. And after a couple months of doing that, uh, I felt confident enough in a couple areas to start doing pull request reviews and uh, just give people feedback and things like that. And uh, Sam noticed that and said, hey, you know, I've noticed that you're not just submitting stuff. You're also uh, trying to help other people and, you know, give pull request feedback. Uh, would you be interested in just being a maintainer and being able to merge some of these instead of waiting, you know, three days or whatever for him to come around and merge it? So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. and. So it wasn't like he popped it, you know, he had to ask the question, get down to one knee. And, you know, I said, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of how it went. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. It, you know, and I think DEP is, and at the time it was very unique. I could be totally wrong. Maybe people with more experience with open source could tell you, but for a more established project where there already were maintainers, uh, I think maybe there would be more involved with becoming one, but I was basically one of the people stepping up and helping take the load off of Sam because he got another job. I think he, you know, has a family and kids. And so just being someone else there and being able to offload some of that. So it's not just the Sam show, uh, I think kind of helped that work out. That's really awesome. Your your tweet when you linked to the pull request that was finally accepted, it I, I still remember that tweet. It made my day. <laughs> It made, you, it made my Twitter month, I think. You don't often get to see direct results from things you do, like the webinars. I mean, you hear people say, thanks, that was awesome. But you know, tying a, a, a webinar and contributing to go directly back to a pull request and you know a first contribution to an open source project, that, that really tied the loop and made it fun. Yeah, every time you get feedback like that, it kind of helps 
give you that emotional recharge to go back out and do more things in the in the community. At least I think like when I go to meet up, sometimes maybe the meetup doesn't go well. Last night I turned into a drowned rat and got totally rained out and then had to give a talk dripping wet on the concrete <laughs> at uh, Chicago Gophers. And it was really hard to be like, why did I do this? I had to like pay money to drive here to park in downtown Chicago and then, you know, give a, a very wet presentation. But then people talked to me afterwards and it was all worthwhile. So so, so let me recap here for just a minute. You've, you've given a, a talk at GopherCon, which is the most yep. prestigious conference in the world. You are <laughs> a maintainer of DEP and you talk at the Chicago Go meetup too? Uh, this is my first talk at the Chicago Gophers. No, don't they downplay me this, to... Carolyn. Don't downplay. Oh, you're, you're no, no, with me no. Here. But I want to talk me. about women who go. <laughs> okay, talk about women who go. Yeah. But just so, allow me to make my point that sure. you're a goddess in Go, and you are one of the anointed because you're awesome, and you made yourself that way. Brian should be Thank paid you. to be a hype man. I know, right? <laughs> I call him my Gopher job Sherpa. To be honest, I've seen. <laughs> I've seen your magic in the past, so I'm the go I'm glad that it's being focused on me. Yeah, I just want to call out that I started, not started, but Women Who Go is obviously a thing. And uh, when I realized that there wasn't one in Chicago about the same time, I started one up as well. So if there's any ladies listening out there and you're near Chicago, even in the burbs, please come hang with us. We make little sojourns, so we'll get together and then we'll go to Chicago Gophers or other uh that doesn't have to be go related. We all went to like the Docker birthday party uh, and just kind of makes a little like go ladies posse. It's, it's fun. So what was your talk last night about? Deb, of course. Of course. <laughs> when I was at GopherCon this year, I did a lightning talk about, you know, Sam gave you the like the overview of these are all of our really big plans. And then this is just brass tacks. Like this is how Deb works as of today, not how we'd like it to work in a month from now. And this is how you you know, get started and then just fielding questions for, you know, as people try it out. You know how, how ironic it would be is if your talk was about writing dry code. <laughs> I hope dry. no one took a picture last night because literally I finished my talk, looked down and I had, I had a puddle underneath. Oh, wow. <laughs> underneath. That's right. Yeah, it was, it was a little wet in Chicago. Yes. Last night. Well, we commend your, your discipline and, and, uh, What's what's the word where you do things that you're supposed to do because you agreed to do it? But there's got to be one of those words, even when you're wet. Responsibility. Commitment. There you yeah. go. All of those things. Thank you, Eric, for the words, which I've lost. Yeah, one thing, one reason why I thought it was so cool that you were coming on the show today was to hear your story and share your story and share your background so people can know how awesome you are. And Sam Boria was, by the way, saying, yes, correct, when Brian was <laughs> saying that you were great. <laughs> and, and, um, but also to give people an idea of how to take uh, some of your experience and apply to their journey. Because I also, as, grow is, as Go is growing, I meet a lot, a lot of people that want to start working with Go and they want to know how to start. And I'm sure they're not asking directly, but they also want to know how to get motivated, how to get uh, wins. I think I, this is me thinking that it's important for people who are starting on anything. What Do you have anything to suggest to, to people that are beginning in this journey? 
Yeah. Um, so first of all, when you're when you're getting paid to do something other than go all day, it's really hard to say it's the weekend, the kids are outside playing and you're like, no, but I'm going to go go read a book and then, you know, go through some uh, coding exercises. So figuring out ways to sneak in using Go when someone's paying you is, in, in my opinion, that's kind of the trick. No one at Rackspace set out to pay me to do stuff with Go. Um, I just kind of asked for forgiveness later and tried to pick off things that weren't critical to our business path. Like it was a safe kiddie pool for me to learn Go. And so what I kind of picked off was, you know, a bash script. And and the nice thing about that, you'll find the little scripts. Like there's a usually every team has dev tools, uh, little things that help their, you know, CI along or, you know, uh, commit hooks, things like that. They're usually written in Bash or Python or something like that. And the beauty of it is someone already wrote it. They've identified something. You know exactly how it works. And all you have to do is the port. You have to just figure out how do I convert Bash or Python to Go. You don't have to come up with a revolutionary idea. You don't have to rewrite a to-do list or, you know, whatever, name something like that. Those are things that you can, or a Slack bot is another good one. I mean, even if you just make a silly one, uh, one of the women who go made a Slack bot that you could say welcome to someone to the women who go channel, and it would go to Gopherize me and make them a customer go custom Gopher. Uh, those are all just like nice little things you can do, uh, and usually you can sneak that into your day job to try out Go and do things with it, and you know it'll kind of get more people working on things because. You know, someone next to you wrote something in Go and then you see that it gets checked in. You start using it and then someone else on your team may pick it up. And that kind of helps give legitimacy and momentum to what you're doing instead of just I'm the random person who really wants to play with the shiny things. Instead of it being a shiny thing, you're using it to get stuff done on the job. Um, you could I, you know, I could say like books and things like that. And I definitely am reading things as I go, but I, it's just not how I work. Like. You know, I said, how did I learn Go is I just, I didn't read a book. I didn't do anything. I literally just looked at the language spec, looked at the bash script I had to work off of and just, you know, ported the Docker version manager over and said, now I know Go. Um, I didn't know Go at the end of the weekend, but I really felt like I did. And that was a win. Um, like like Neo <laughs> and the Matrix? I know Kung Fu. Yeah, exactly. That's that's definitely how it went went along. But how, you know, once you get something like that, though, having pull requests, I think, is one of the best ways that I have learned the go way, the idiomatic way of doing things. I brought over a ton of, I wouldn't say bad habits, but def definitely different ways of looking at how to solve problems from, you know, my background in a bunch of other languages like, you know, C Sharp. I have things in my tool belt that maybe aren't the best tool anymore when I'm in Go. And when I would open up PRs, I'd just be honest about it and say, you know, hey, I'm new to Go. I would appreciate it if you would give me feedback on, am I doing this the Go way? You know, I tackled it this way. I got it to work. So, you know, that's why I opened the PR. But if you could give me more ideas for how to make this really Go-y, the better. I haven't had a single person be mean to me uh, when I say something like that. And everyone's just been really quick then to kind of, I don't know, teach me for free. So that was kind of nice. <laughs> That's um, really and, cool. Yeah. Just in an open source community, I think even if you don't have something to do, like, you know, I, I started to run out of go things to do at work. And that's where, you know, I started looking around and I, you know, I saw a DEP and 
kind of jumped on that and started working on it. And it's really intimidating at first to in, to contribute to a new project, especially, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm a beginner. What, what on earth could I do? But usually the littlest things are sometimes the things that are most often overlooked by the people who are doing the heavy lifting from day to day. Uh, so like when we went into GopherCon, we had a README and I think it was written in December and it had no, there was no reality to that README. It did not reflect how the tool worked at all at that point. Um, and so the last day on the community day, uh, I sat down at a table with like six people and we said, let's make docs, let's do this. And some people uh, didn't know go at all, but it didn't matter. They took the tool, they used it and their beginner perspective was incredibly valuable to us. I'd been using things at this point long enough that I just didn't see the rough patches. And we made a bunch of issues when things didn't work the way they should. And at the end of GopherCon, we had a README that worked. Our FAQ, our FAQ is, was much more organized. And, you know, we made that big announcement and there was something to back it. It wasn't just, well, you, you guys are all gophers, go figure it out. We actually had enough information there to help people really understand how to use it and just boost the likelihood that anyone would stick with it. So um, I wanted to make a comment too about kind of timeline too. Um, I think when people try to pick up a language or contribute to a project and stuff like that, I think people can beat themselves up over over time too. And I think we don't realize kind of how you said, like, if you can get, if you can sneak it in at work, you can learn it a lot faster. Like most people, it's really hard to just in your past time acquire some new skill set unless you have like no family and things like that. And it's the perception, right? I love the insight that Carolyn had about uh, being a person that is attracted to a shiny new thing versus being a person who actually took the technology and applied to something that had use, right? When I started my journey to go I was that person who was attracted to the shiny new thing. <laughs> I just wanted to go. Um, I may, Half was the, that I was ready to move on from what I was doing in terms of technology. And half was like, I really like the way this looks. I want to give it a try. And, you know, interviewing for jobs that were hiring for Go, they usually, there are two types of employers. I think one is I just want a good engineer. Um, doesn't matter what they, they did in the past, they can learn easily. And then there are other types that they want you to have a specific knowledge. But either way, I think if you are applying to join a team that's doing the go, they want to know that at least you're not going to hate it, right? And join and hate the language and then leave or want to change teams just because you, you didn't know what it was all about and you learned and then you hate it and you, now you want to drop out. So having um, history to show that now I, I, at least I have looked into this and it appeals to me is very useful. But of course, if you have something solid to show versus I haven't really done anything at work, I just want to do this language and I have done a couple of things here and there, it makes it a lot easier. But don't discount that also if you don't have the opportunity to do that at work, there are many things that you can do, at least I think, to, to get you up to that point where you, you have a solid enough knowledge of the language and the ecosystem to be able to walk into an interview and be confident and show that you know enough to do the work. 
Yeah, not everyone is fortunate. Like, so I have no excuse to use Go other than Dep right now. Uh, but another thing I'm trying to get experience with is Kubernetes, which is kind of in the you know the Go cloudy world, and uh, with with no real things to do. Um, I decided to set up on my home network Kubernetes and then figure out what home automation jobs I could run on it. So I don't have a barbecue cooker or anything like that. So, you know, I don't have like raspberry pies monitoring my, uh, my hog outside or anything. But, uh, so for example, uh, I just got a new NAS and it has Plex on it and it lets you stream movies to your TV. So uh, as a present for my husband, I've been uh, converting all of our Blu-rays and DVDs onto it because uh, getting up from the couch to watch a movie is, uh, you know, a oh, real problem in our household. <laughs> yeah, it's just brutal. Uh, the number of times we've streamed a movie that we own just because we didn't want to get up is is maybe a little embarrassing. Uh, so, so, you know, here's a great way. Like, is it a terribly interesting thing to talk about? I'm not quite sure. Like, out, you know, it's it's not like a big data scale type distributed problem. But I have a couple Intel uh, NUCs. There's these tiny little uh, computer kits that you can buy. And they're all my little nodes. And they are just running 24-7 ripping movies for me. So, uh, you know, there, sometimes there's just things you can do that, that scratch your own itch that give you that experience if you don't have something terribly legitimate and important to do at work with uh, whatever it is you want to learn. Those NUCs are awesome, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> I have. I have one, and it's just the best little dev machine ever. Oh, they're so cute. I Can I admit that I have five of them? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and be proud of it, too. Yeah, I just I couldn't help myself because I wanted to build out an HA cluster. I, I don't know, because it's very important that my, my movie ripping is uh, always available. Right. Now, have you started working on the, the serious problem of uh, how to make Kubernetes get you a drink or a snack? I want a little robot. I want Johnny Five <laughs> from Short Circuit, and he can just bring me yes. drinks and fight off robbers and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think think if you looked at uh, his system programming, it it could be in Go. You never know. No disassemble number five. Exactly. <laughs> Although I will say it's probably good that lack of desire for me to get up and get a snack because it probably prevents me from snacking more than I should. Because I'm like, do I? How bad do I really want those chips? You know. <laughs> my uh, my cat likes to steal food off my plate like a ninja. So as you're bringing your food up to your mouth, <laughs> he's already pulled off three chips from the plate. So I mean, that's just my own dieting nice. strategies. I just let him sit with me, and you know, whatever ends up in my mouth, I guess was the right amount. Most of it ends up on the floor with him. All right, so we've already established that you are a goddess. We've got the GopherCon talk. We've got the Chicago Go Meetup. We've got the Kubernetes cluster at your own house. We've got women who debt go. management. What What is it that you're looking for out of a job? Because I think we're going to have to beat off the uh, the people and keep them away from us. So we need to filter <laughs> this down a little bit. How do we How do we narrow the pipeline down to your ideal job? I would love to continue working in the open source space in some way. Uh, working on cloud infrastructure. Uh, you know, I when I worked on the Karina product, I I just loved it. I like, I used to work in an enterprise, taking a little jog here for a second, but it'll go somewhere. I used to work at a big enterprise company with draconian IT uh, and the thought of ever getting your own cloud or running something on AWS or getting a VM in less than three months was like a pipe dream. And whenever 
it's a rack space when we were able to say, here's a container, run something, and you don't need to get like an approval or requisition was just like magic. And giving that to the customers was, I loved it. Like I've enjoyed my 17 years of doing app development, but right now I really would like to empower other devs. I was so silly, but like, I love devs. I'd rather they were my customers than, than I guess people with money. Um, this is why I'm having trouble finding a job, but I love working in open source and I like running stuff in the cloud. I love playing with all these things and I'd like to make the software that runs the cloud, I guess anyone's cloud. I'm not picky. Well, <laughs> well, that narrows it down nicely. And I know Heptio is, is hiring. So I think we should make a phone call to Kevin and Joe over at Heptio and make an introduction. That's, that's a good start. They're probably yeah. listening now because everyone <laughs> listens to go time. So <laughs> all 60 million of them. Yeah. Call me, Joe. Call me. <laughs> I'm feeling saucy. Tonight. <laughs> so I think we probably have what, 15 or 20 minutes left. Does anybody want to talk about um, interesting projects and news? And then we'll get into free software Friday. Let's do. Sure. All right, I'll start first. So uh, I saw a really cool article by Filippo Valsorda about um, calling Rust from Go, which was really crazy. And I need to read it again. (laughs) Because he he gets into assembly and the the calling conventions and stuff like that. But it's super cool. He he basically allowed, um, made it so you could create a library in Rust and link it to Go and call it without using Seago. And it's a super cool article. Um, even if you're not interested in um, calling Rust from Go, and he advocates you don't do that. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it was a fun kind of uh, learning experience looking through kind of uh, the breakdown of the assembly and calling conventions and stuff. So funny um, aside, based on Filippo, he talked, he spoke at uh, uh, Golang UK today, and they didn't have a uh, MC, so I ended up MCing this afternoon, and I introduced Filippo as the guy who writes the blog posts that make me feel stupid, because it's true. His blog posts are just like, "What? What did you just write? What?" Yeah. So that was it. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah, he's done uh done some crazy ones like the Seago one and things like that, and yeah some on uh, TLS and yeah. yeah. We got a lot of applause on that one too. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> uh, so I think we mentioned it on last week's um, episode two, but uh, go one nine RC two is out and you're, you're all trying your code against it. Filing bug, right? Yes. Yes. You have, have some <laughs> production workloads running with go one nine. Mm. I think that's just you, Brian. <laughs> No, I, it, what did we learn at GopherCon? What does RC mean for Go? It means that Google believes in it enough to put it in production. Oh, that's true. That's, they was did was I that. the only one at GopherCon this year? I think I no, may that, have been. You, you might have been. That's a great been. point. That's, that's what they said. So if Google can put Go 1.9 RC2 in production, then at least you could put just a little bit of your workload on it too. Very true. You know, if for no other reason than the new dot, dot, dot syntax, Right. Not picking up what's in vendor just makes tears come yeah, exactly. to my eyes. It's so useful. Just so you could go test the current director without skipping vendor, baby. That yeah. right there is it's the best thing ever. Well, maybe not ever, but it's a really nice thing. 
<laughs> well, now that a bunch of people are starting to commit to vendor because Dep, uh, at least the people on Dep have been encouraging it, like the first thing everyone says is, how do I not run my dependencies tests? So the See? answer is use Go19. Upgrade. <laughs> yes. So I also ran across uh, two really, really cool libraries um, for Go. Well, one of them is something implemented in the first, but it's an interactive prompt library. It's ridiculously cool. It's called Go Prompt. Right. And it has uh, some fun tab completion and stuff. If you click the link in the doc, you can kind of see how it works. Whoa. And, and I will link that for everybody who's following along, along live. And then Shut the, the front other door. link is called Kube Prompt, uh, which is basically kubectl, kube control, or kube cuddle, whatever you want to call it, uh, an <laughs> interactive version of that implemented with this library. It's just ridiculously cool. And I, I haven't built anything with it yet. I played with it a little bit, but now I want all my CLIs to work like this. This is so amazing. <laughs> now, of course, it doesn't translate to radio very well. So everybody should just go to github.com slash C-B-A-T-A slash go dash prompt and watch all of the little ASCII cinema stuff on here because it's so wicked cool. And it has the hotkeys and stuff like that to move words and and that is like that. so pretty. It's mesmerizing. I'm rewriting my my uh, talk tomorrow. Dang You're it. rewriting it. Yep. <laughs> that is so cool. Okay, I love this. Damn you, Eric. It's, so it's, I'm releasing it's... I'm releasing a CLI tool tomorrow at at my GoLang UK talk. It's a secret, and I'm going to have to rewrite the whole damn thing now using this. <laughs> I hate you. I'm doing a bunch of CLI tools. Maybe I'll I'll see if I can add this. Looks really cool. So is this using a like Cobra or I mean, how how are they doing all this magic with their CLI with the little drop down and everything? I don't know. I just looked at the imports for a couple of these files, and there aren't that many of them. It's almost Ooh. all standard library. So I'm curious as what they're doing. Yeah, hopefully it's not hard mode. I want I want to rip this off and use it too. Yeah, this is really, really cool. So I'll be interested to see how many um, CLI tools change after this, but really cool. Yeah, nice catch, Eric. And then um, there's another one that was cool, and I haven't played with this at all, but it's interesting in the fact of, um, this is the first thing I've seen with like, um, so it's called Go World, and it's for like a distributed game server. Um, and it kind of implements the logic for clients to talk to gates, which kind of dispatch them off to servers and manages the objects and, and world and things like that. And you can hop, hot swap stuff. Um, I didn't find any example games that had been written against it, but um, I think they had a chat client that was implemented against it. But I think it's really cool just to see. Um, I love seeing like new use cases for Go, you know, outside typical APIs and command line tools. So I thought this was really cool. And I'd be interested to see if, um, you know, distributed game or, or mass multiplayer game actually ends up implemented, whether in this or in general, just in Go. Well, we already know that um, Bethesda is using Go. Oh, really? Uh, do you know what they're using for? I don't remember, but uh, we saw a recruiter hiring for go people at bethesda a month or two ago so there's there's go stuff somewhere we don't necessarily know what pieces of their infrastructure are go but definitely go in the gaming industry that's cool 
Did anybody else have any other projects, news, blog articles they, they happen to run across this week? Have you been pretty busy? Hang on, I'm behind <laughs> the curve, but I did start a couple projects that were interesting. Um, oh, well, we talked about go tracing last week, right? So there's a good project in um, written in Go4JS for Vecti that's really cool. So Vecti is the uh, Go4JS framework that looks a lot like React, but it's it's native Go that compiles down to Go4JS, and it's it's really cool. And there's a a person that wrote their own portfolio website in Go4JS and Vecti, and it's actually been the most reasonably attainable article on uh, how to do Go4JS, how to do Vecti, and it's at www.marwan.io/blog. And there's a writing a simple UI with Go4JS blog post on there. I'll drop that in the Slack because it's a particularly good read. It was the the first time I thought, oh, maybe I could understand this whole front end thing. I'm gonna have to play with that. I still haven't done much um, Go4JS. I think Go4JS is pretty darn awesome. You still have to understand the DOM. I mean, you have to understand the whole event model of the browser, but <clears throat> at least you don't have to write JavaScript or TypeScript or ES2015 or I don't even, there's so many names for all the stuff, whatever. Yeah, just burn see, it down. I just burn it down. In the uh, web development world. So writing JavaScript doesn't bother me too much. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, I'm taking my ball and going home. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you just take all your JavaScript and have fun with that. Uh, anybody else have anything or do we want to jump into Free Software Friday? No, let's hit Free Th Software Friday. Have a good one. All right. It's actually, it's actually a repeat, but it, I think it's a repeat. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. So um, github.com slash SPF 13 slash Cobra. If there were an easier way to build a command line application in Go, I don't know what it is. It's full featured. It's fast. It's got code generators and it's just awesome. So Steve Francia, thanks for building Cobra. Pretty much every major CLI app in Go now uh, is using Cobra on the back end. So there's a reason for that. And then next week you get to you get to shout out to uh, the new Go prompt. <laughs> Shh. Tell anybody. Uh, Carlicia, what what do you have? Anybody? I, anything? I don't have anything today. And how about you, Carolyn? I'd like to call out Sophia, Captain Sophia, Sophia Abdallah, because um, she was actually the person who made me think that I was capable and it was I was could be one of those cool people who led a meetup or did a workshop. Um, it was it was a while ago and she was leading a tutorial at PyLadies for how to uh, learn about data science in Python. And she used Karina to do it. And she used uh, the Jupyter project and hosted it all. And I, it just like lit something up in my mind and I loved it. And she just inspired me beyond belief. And I, I worked with her for the next couple of months to, to kind of do something similar and run workshops myself and, and teach people Docker and uh, things like that. And that's kind of what gave me the momentum and, and the guts to do something like Women Who Go Chicago. So. 
it's less like the project she's done. She's done some amazing work with Jupiter um, and everything. But just personally, she's inspired me so much. I am where I am because she gave me the encouragement to to do it and that people wouldn't just boo me when I tried to talk. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's I love it. So um, mine for this week uh, is is a repeat. It's somebody else's repeat, but everybody will be proud of me. Uh, I finally got around to using uh, Visual Studio Code and the VS Code Go plugin by Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So huge shout out to Ramya for all the work she does on that and all the other contributors. Um, I, I had a lot of fun playing with it this week. I'm still very much itching to use Vim, but she was on the show before GopherCon. And I promised after things lightened up a little bit after GopherCon that I, I would give it a good go. So that's what I've been working with uh, this week. Code is pretty awesome. There's no doubt about it. It it is. I you know I I love Vim, but man, that's nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, how about you, Carla? Say, did you have anything? I don't. Not today. Okay. All right. I guess that's a wrap. We get into the after show now. That's where we say all the bad things about everybody. <laughs> well, we, we have to thank our guest to do all the show closing stuff first, Eric. You forgot all of that. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for coming on the show. Definitely thank you, Carolyn, for for coming on and joining us. Um, and anybody who's hiring, uh, you, you can't go wrong hiring Carolyn. Yeah. So seriously. Yeah. Hit me up. Get on back. it. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll put her contact info in uh, in the show notes. The show but not yeah, too much contact. Her cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Address, social security number, all the good stuff you need. Yeah, so um, it, if you enjoyed the show, definitely share the show with colleagues, friends, uh, anybody you find interesting. You can find us at gotime.fm. We are at gotime.fm on Twitter. If you want to be on the show, have suggestions for topics or guests, even questions of the guests, uh, you can find us at github.com slash gotime.fm slash ping. Just file an issue. And with that, uh, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks, Carolyn. Yes, thank you. Bye. It was great talking to you. All right, that's it for this episode of Go Time. Tune in live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community in Slack with us. In real time during the shows, head to changelog.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at GoTimeFM. Special thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner. Head to Fastly.com to learn more. Also, Linode, we host everything we do on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash changelog. GoTime is edited by Jonathan Youngblood, and the theme music for GoTime is produced by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening.